podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Talk Skills Podcast. My name is Sybil. Today, I'm joined by Billy. Say hello, Billy. Hello, mate. You're right. I'm good, mate. Say hello, Jake. Hello, buddy. Say hello, Jed. How are we doing? <laughs> that is attempt number like seven, folks, for that intro. We're just going to roll with that. We're just going to roll right into the episode, Can we Jed. Just keep so, this one? Jed yeah, yeah, just keep it. Jed's on like a fucking three second delay. <laughs> It's fine, I'm not going to come to him at all, he's just here for a <laughs> face for the clips. Right, folks, Right, we're going to cover a couple of matches, right? We're going to start with um, Arsenal-Bournemouth, uh, because Arsenal are on fire just now, playing very, very lovely football. Um, I think, I mean, the way they're playing, it just doesn't look like anybody can really stop them. This this system just suits Gabriel Jesus to the absolute T. He's just so much service and he provides, he offers so much to the players around him as well. Um, I thought it was a great fixture. Jakey boy, could have come to you. Uh, what were your thoughts in the match? Yeah, no, I thought Arsenal were fantastic. Um, Jesus looks revitalised in Arsenal, doesn't he? I've mm. seen a, a tweet, actually, from someone, and he said, do you feel like Man City's style of play restricted him? And we're really seeing what Jesus is all about now. And I, I definitely think that we are, because he looks fantastic in an Arsenal shirt. Um, they were brilliant today. I know it's Bournemouth. We know they're relegation candidates, but you have to beat the people in front of you. And they did, and they did it convincingly, and that's that's all really Arsenal fans can ask for. Yeah, no easy games, no easy games. I think I think right, something I think I think people think that, that City's setup is a lot more creative than it actually is, but it actually was mm. way more disciplined than people actually think. And I think this Arsenal side, he's got the freedom to receive the ball. He can look look immediately behind him. He's got Martin Odegaard, look to his left, Martin Elliott, look to his right. The Kyle Saka, you know, that's that's a couple of players to pick out. And then you add like players that can pick passes like um like Zinchenko, um mm. and yeah, and a creative force sort of role at that. I think, you know, they're they are really coming together. And even even Ben White out right back, you yeah, honestly uh, these opening three games, uh, I wouldn't peg him for, for someone that's not a natural fullback. Um Ben White, really a standout candidate for me. And then the the other thing for me that kind of set this game is the, the depth that Arsenal now have to bring on like a Tommy Yasu who finished this last season really, really strong, became a sort of key component to that Arsenal setup who now can't get in the side. That shows that you're kind of going somewhere where good players can't get in the side. Kieran Tierney, another one. Who actually, I don't know if you've noticed, Kieran Tierney actually just ended up playing on left wing. Um, <laughs> his pressing was absolutely insane. He doesn't play, he doesn't press like a four falls kind of, you know, they're just kind of trying to force the passes to, you know, like sprinting to make the tackle. It's quite, it's quite, uh, Quite entertaining. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely terrific. Jerry Boy, where did, where did Arsenal finish this season? I think third for me. Third. I think they, they look great at the moment, but mm. I did, yeah, can they sustain this level of performance over the course of the season? Yeah, probably not. They're not going to go and win every game, are they? Um, but they do look, for, for, at the moment, they look absolutely solid. And I think that Jesus is a great addition to their side. Um, like Jake said, he has been sort of revitalised a little bit there. Seems like we're getting what's the real Jesus now um, with a bit of a, more of a free reign to pick the ball up and, and take people on, etc. Um, you're getting Zinchenko in the team, making a big difference as well. I think Saliba coming in has made a big difference to the back four. So there, there's, there's loads of reasons to be positive for Arsenal. I think that if they don't finish in the top four, then they'll only have themselves to blame really this season. I think, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. In our Premier League predictions, I had Arsenal in third as well. I really like to look at them. I really like to look at the setup. I think one thing that's different this season as well is that Arsenal can actually probably, for the first time in a while, really afford 
a couple of injuries. Like really, mm-hmm. afford a couple of injuries mm-hmm. and still field a very, very good side um, and still be able to bring on um, players. Smith was another one that escaped my mind earlier. The fact that you can't go on the pitch as well just shows that that that, that, that team is going places. Uh, Billy Boy, Arsenal. The managers of the club you support and the manager of the club at Arsenal is uh, Michael Arteta or Steven Gerrard. They share similarities in terms of the, they were big players. They achieved quite a lot in the game. Um, and they're, they're, they're relatively new to management. Obviously, this is Michael Arteta's first role. This is Steven Gerrard's second role. Michael Arteta was split. The fan base was split 50-50 for Arsenal for about two, two and a half years, I want to say. We're nine months into Steven Gerrard's reign at Aston Villa. Do you back him to do the same kind of project? We're looking at this, Michael Arteta saying, now it looks like a, a slightly more fluid Man City, I would say. You're a slightly more, maybe yeah. creative for Man City. It's not quite the, just the, along the floor <laughs> driven machine. Yeah, I think, but... I think they're, they're, every player in that Arsenal squad just looks free yeah. to kind of play how you want to play, go out and do your job. And that's, that's what they look like. And, just getting back to your question about Steven Gerrard, should we back him, should we sack him, whatever. Um, I'm still very much of the mindset that we do need to back him because you look at what Mikel Arteta's done at Arsenal and another example, even uh, Graham Potter at Brighton, he's not got them playing like they are overnight. He had to struggle with the 16th and the 15th place finishes before he started to see some uh, returning results. Um, so I think we just need to be a, a little bit more patient, to be honest with you, because the way Arsenal are playing, I mean, it's like you said, they just look unbeatable. They they just look such a solid team. And I think that the addition of Saliba, who they obviously got a, quite a few years ago and he's been out on loan in France and that gaining a bit more experience, he just looks sensational, doesn't he? I mean, his, his goal topped it off for him. I wouldn't say it was quite as good as Callum Chambers against Leeds last season, but it was it was up there. <laughs> um, but what I, what I liked about that goal actually was the uh, was Zinchenko's reaction. Did you see it? <laughs> you just couldn't believe what he was watching. <laughs> 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 just fell to his knees with his hands on his head. <laughs> You'll have to see it. That's the moments we can have we watch for, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I will say this: the, I think I seen a couple of tweets today, right? Fellow fans looking at Poch, wanting Pochettino, I mean, that's your Pochettino, uh, as a replacement for Gerard, Big name manager, obviously. You've got, we talked about this earlier today, Billy, you get quite wealthy owners. They're clearly backing whoever's in charge. Um, they got some big players under Dean uh, and, and, and even bigger players under Gerard. Do you, do you, would you take a Poch? What, what was your, what was your thoughts being Poch? Uh, at the, it's, it's a really tough one because in a couple of months' time, Poch might not be there. <clears throat> A bit like Man United with Conte. Spurs realised that Conte was available. They went, bosh, we need to get him now. Got rid of um, Nuno and got in there before United even thought about it, really. And that's that's the trouble that you're getting in because he's the only one out there at the minute, really. The yeah. only one of a high calibre that... Gets you excited. Has, has, <laughs> yeah, that has the possibility as well of <laughs> Premier League experience, European experience, and knows what it takes to get there and play by, good football along the way. By the way, I know, I know some people will say that Poch to Aston Villa isn't realistic. I think it absolutely is, 100% realistic. Yeah. We've seen Carlo Ancelotti at Everton. Poch to, <laughs> Poch to Villa is realistic. <laughs> yeah, and, and as well, I think he's one of the only managers out there that would 
not put a like Bubaka Kamara, for example, who came because of Steven Gerrard. Coutinho. He, yeah, Pochettino's one of the one of the managers that they'd go, all right, maybe it didn't work out as, as the club wanted with Steven Gerrard. I'd have liked probably a little bit more time to work with him, but we've got Pochettino in now. Mm-hmm. He's a decent manager who's done a lot in the he's done a lot in the game. We're, we're gonna I, sign I can, Messi. <laughs> <laughs> I can see I can see myself playing under Poch, see see how we get on. Whereas if we Gerard goes and I don't know, maybe a bigger name um such as Pochettino isn't there, they're all of a sudden. That becomes thinking, an well, issue. Yeah, becomes I, an I, issue. I came for Gerard here and two weeks into the season and he's gone. Like what does that mean for me? Like I'm not happy with this and they may may not get along with the next manager for whatever reason. Um so it's it's a really sticky situation because in my opinion we need to go. We need to fully back Gerard if that's what we want to do, or we wipe our hands clean and go. Look, Poch is available now. We need him, kind of thing. So it's one or the other, and mm. you can't wait around because in this game, Leicester sack Rogers, which isn't totally out of the question. Where does Poch go straight yeah. to Leicester? It's it's such a dangerous game you're playing if you're not going to fully back the manager. It's either a, it's a now or never situation, really, because yeah. he's there, he's attainable, we can get him, will we? Listen, they just backed Stephen Gerrard to do the almost impossible, which was which which to stop Celtic, which no one really backed him to do. Um, they they said the gap was too wide, so they had too much time to build the squad. They had a, a good manager for a long, long time, Brendan Rodgers. Um, and he did that, and I would back him two or three seasons. This is the I thing would you really, need, you really need back. To give these managers time. It's like I said on the previous one. You give these managers, you you employ a young manager for the project ahead. And if you want it now, if you want it now, project. you go and get a Conte. And Man exactly. United, no, see, no matter what Gary Neville says, Man United <laughs> absolutely hundred percent needed Conte. We'll come on to Man yeah. United when we preview it a little bit. They hundred percent needed them. Um, but we'll, we'll stay we'll stay in the subject of Villa because Palace. And I want to switch the conversation to Palace. Palace look excellent under Patrick Vieira. Speaking of exciting young coaches and a player that I was a huge, huge fan of um, when he was playing Patrick Vieira. Um, Jed, come to you. You remember his playing days slightly. <laughs> maybe not as, oh, maybe yes. not as well as me and Jake, but he's uh, he was he's fantastic. What 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 would you make of this Palace side? I know you you're a big fan of him. You had Wilfred Zaha. You had Essie. Yes. No, it was Edward and your fantasy team. You kind of uh, backed him to do well against Villa. You were right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I said a couple of weeks ago on the um, predictions podcast, I thought Palace would do pretty well this year. I have them finishing in the top 10. Um, yeah. Might be a little bit optimistic, but I, honestly, I think that Certainly. that Palace They'll team under Vieira, sure. they're, they're going the right way, aren't they? They're, I think they're missing Conor Gallagher from last season, but they look like they've improved everywhere else, if that makes sense as well. Like they've got a good understanding between their their defence and the keeper, like the centre halves, I'm a big fan of Anderson, Gerhi. Um I like great, their attacking players. Ball, Obviously you've got Zaha, you know what you're getting with him. You've got Eze back to fitness. Elise is really dangerous off the bench. Like and then you've got your striker, Edward and Mateta, etc. who'll come on and they'll get you goals. They're not going to get you twenty goals a season, but they're going to be reliable enough for a team like Palace. So oh, I think that they're they're going in the right direction at the minute. Um and and winning against teams like Villa and winning those games that's what gets you up into the top half, yeah. isn't it? <clears throat> it's where they you need, need to, to win. You need to the teams around you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think a lot of people maybe thought Zaha was dropping off slightly under Roy. 
But I think you put players like Eze, like Alicia when he comes on, Edward, um, even the, the the new boy they've got in midfield, very good passer. Uh, the fullbacks, yeah, Decore, uh The fullbacks as well are very attacking-minded fullbacks. I think you put those players around Wilfred Zaha, you'll, you'll allow Wilfred Zaha to do the things like he, he was... Like, on a diff... I mean, I thought he played excellent against Liverpool, but if he'd found another gear against Liverpool, it would have been unplayable. Absolutely unplayable. Um, yeah, I think he's... I think Palace are going to do really well this year. Zaha, if he stays fit for a full season, which he's capable of doing, 100% he's capable of doing that, um, I think he'll go and have possibly one of his best seasons. Uh, Jakey boy, uh, we're going to move on to Chelsea uh, against Leeds. Okay, Jed mentioned Cora Gallagher. He said Palace are missing Cora Gallagher. I think Cora Gallagher's missing Palace. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think he's missing. I think he's missing being that talisman player. What did What did you reckon? Mm. What, did you, what did you think of him in that Chelsea shirt today? Um, it was a it's a weird one because you can't really judge him on that. I mean, it's his first start, and Chelsea with a their own downfall in this game. Mendy had a shocker, which yeah. is, I don't know, it's become a bit more frequent. And a shocker. started to happen a bit more, um, which isn't good for them. But Leeds, I thought, were brilliant. Fantastic. You know, they, they ran six kilometres more than Chelsea mm. in just the first half. Yeah, they they pressed really well, and they looked they looked good as well. And, and Rodrigo's on fire. You know, he's the top scorer in the league. I think now four goals yeah, this four season. Goals. So he's looking good. And Jesse March, as you know, for all the criticism when he first came in, has, looks like he's got this side playing playing good football. And you know, it's I think a few people soccer. maybe in, we had least struggle <laughs> potentially, and they look they look really good. Uh, I tell so I tell you what, this right, that um, that Aronson that mm. they brought in, he looks a proper player, don't he? Yeah, he, he really he does look good. like a, a a really really good player. Uh, he's still young, isn't he? As well, so he's got a hell of a, a future if he carries on playing the way he is at the minute. Just full of running, full of full of energy, and then when he gets on the ball, he's he's a bag of tricks, ain't he? It's class. Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Really like the leads. Chelsea, though, Billy, a bit of problems for Chelsea in this match. All over the pitch, they just they just like like you said there, they weren't um, they just got run off the pitch and. You can't allow teams to do that to you in the Premier League. You saw it happen to United against Brentford last week. They they won four nil. Um, so you've got to go one for one. You've got to be running the same amount. If Chelsea, if Leeds are running six kilometers more in just the first half, that's that's embarrassing. It's a problem. It's 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 a massive problem. Yeah, and with players like Conor Gallagher and stuff, he's an energetic player, but he can't do it all himself, can he? Um. So I think there's there's a lot of problems in there for for Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel, and I just feel like that timer that we've mentioned before, you've mentioned in particular, Simo, with Thomas Tuchel, is two two and a half years at a club, and all of a sudden it goes bang. Mm. I think it's ticking down. He looked, he looked. And you already started to see it as well. Shine again, didn't he? After the, I mean, he saw what happened in the Spurs game, but yeah, it was again today. You know, he was just reacting to everything he like you know had a pop-up marsh a couple of times as well and you think it's all right being all passionate and stuff but when it's starting to be a detriment on the sideline your players are looking at that as well and going well that is, can we can we stick behind the manager that's doing this all the time well that is just I mean, a man who's he was lucky to be on a sideline very lucky to be on a sideline one thing i do have to say though is i think leeds's goals were Quite lucky. I've got to be honest with you. I, I, I disagree. Mean, the... Disagree completely. You got to, you got to make that run. You got to press. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, I you completely got to push agree, that But on, on another day, 
Mendy boots that clear or maybe keeps control of the possession or something. On another day, those goals, or particularly the, the first and the third anyway, yeah. don't happen. Rodrigo gets a bit firmer of a touch on that and it probably goes out for a goal mm. kick and um, Harrison's not there. I think the second goal, though, I mean, it's fantastic ball in. Reese James, just not good enough. And Rodrigo beats into the header. And, and the first one, like I say, Mendy may just boot that away, may kick it out of play for a corner, does something, but don't give the ball away. <laughs> no, so I think... I think... Uh, carry on, Billy, carry on. No, I, I, that was it, really. It was, I think it was, while credit to credit to Leeds for making that making that press. I think they made their own luck. They made their own luck. They, 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 put, yeah. they put men down that pressure. That, really. If you're sprinting to press a keeper, you know, and it doesn't look like you're going to get anything, Mendy suddenly thinks he's Ederson or Allison. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thinks he's Ederson or Allison for a minute, kind of bought in his own hype a little bit and realised <laughs> he absolutely looked like a goalkeeper with the ball at his feet. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think Leeds were excellent. I mean, one thing I will say is, though, is Reese James does get caught out there. Reese James playing at centre-back. I don't think if he, if you were to ask him, do you want to be playing on the right side of that back three? I think he would say no. I don't think Loftus-Cheek was the worst player. I don't think he's the player to be blamed for this loss, but I don't think he's got any business being on the pitch. You just play a back four. Play a back four. Play a bit, put another man in midfield. I do he's good enough to play. I'll tell you what, Ruben Loftus-Cheek would do better at centre-back than Reese James was because he's got that, he's tall, he's well, Reese James is an he's excellent full-back. Full and I think the, he's, he's so proven dangerous what, going yeah, forward. Yeah, exactly. He proves what he can do in that position. Like, you, you play, surely you play your best player's strength and he's among the best players at Chelsea. I mean, if you, not the best, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he's, there's definitely an argument for that. There's definitely an argument for that. But I don't know... Well, I understand why he wants to play a back three, right? But you don't get your way every week, you know. Some Pep has to adapt sometimes. Klopp has to adapt sometimes. Not You don't get your way every single week, you know, and you, and you need to adapt mm. to these sort of things. I think I think he made the... Uh, the wrong decision to, I think he's making the wrong decision and and sort of wasting an attacking outlet when he doesn't get any. There's Chelsea create chances, but they don't put them away. Maybe they create an extra chance with Reese James in a full back position or a wing back position, or maybe he's the one that gets into the back post. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the danger created for Chelsea last last season was you know Ben Chilwell to start the last season. They had an excellent start. Yeah. Reese James had a fantastic season last season. That combination of Reese James and Ben Chilwell last year, was excellent. Just- um, it was unplayable at times. And I, I don't think Cucurella looked like a £60 million player today. He looked like a player that was maybe... I mean, if, I, I was Ben Chilwell on, on the bench. Is he injured? He was or? on the bench. He came on. I, th- I, I mean, think he's just got a little niggle. Mm, I mean, right. But fair play, fair play. But I don't think he offered anywhere near as much as a, as a Ben Chilwell. But another thing, match. did Chelsea not have that Chalibur as well? Mm. So I've seen links of him coming to Villa, obviously since Diego Carlos's injury, yeah. just on loan or something. He was decent. He was decent last season. He's good. He's good. Why not stick him at right centre back where he he got a couple of goals as well? I think didn't he? I think he um I think he played left centre back, left sided centre back for the majority of his his starts. Okay. Uh, last year, which is fine. I mean, you just you move Thiago out there or you move Kilabali. They're experienced yeah. players. They've both been playing centre back for a very long time. I'm sure they can step into an opposite side, and I'm sure. Tiago Silva's played as a right-sided centre-back at some point. I'm going to go out and say yeah. that. He must have done. Um, granted, he does like to be in a sort of the middle of that back three. But I think, yeah, I think I think Tuchel got his got his team selection absolutely wrong today. And I've not, this is nothing against Loftus-Cheek. I would even say maybe just put him in the midfield, make him that extra body in midfield. He's done a lot of work as a central midfielder. He played as a central midfielder at Palace. 
but he probably had his best season and he played a central midfielder where he had a, a less good season at Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, for me, shape, shape is something Chelsea got wrong. It really played into Leeds' hands because every time Leeds were just happy to go into Chelsea's final third and just press absolutely everything, put everybody under pressure, really limit um, Chelsea's ability to get out. But that's just my two sets, boys. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll move on now uh, and we'll finish up with uh, sticking to the theme of um, of, of, of seemingly um, looked upon, opposition that's looked upon as lesser coming out to play a bigger side, which is, it seems to be a theme for this season. A lot of the, the, the sort of mid to, to bottom third table sides are now pressing relentlessly and that's what Newcastle did today uh, against Manchester City. And you boys seem more of the match than me. I was changing a nappy for one of the goals uh, and I was making a bottle for the Keelan Tierney's uh, uh, red card. So I must have been a bit of Sorry, Keelan Trippiers. <laughs> <laughs> the six yeah. hours of sleep I've had in the past two days shown. Um, yeah, excellent match though and I think Newcastle did super well to not get disheartened by the conceding early because a lot of teams against City, they concede early and the, the game kind of feels a bit out of sight for them. Newcastle were relentless. They're in the home ground. They should be relentless, as they were. Um, Jed, I'll come to you, mate. Uh, where did you land in this match? Oh, that was an absolute brilliant game of football from start to finish. Um, it, it was one of them that, that had just about everything, didn't it? it? It had so many goals, some great football played, brilliant saves by Nick Pope, uh, which really kept Newcastle in it at times. Honestly, I was just, just massively entertained throughout the whole thing. Um, I thought that Alan St. Maximin for um, Newcastle was excellent. The way that he just ran at Man City and attacked them mm. um, and had them sort of on the back foot at times, it, it looked like they couldn't handle him. And uh, especially for the, the second goal where he just dribbles through the team, plays in Callum Wilson and Wilson tucks it away with a beautiful little outside of the foot uh, past Edison. I'm really, really impressed by that. Um, on the flip side of that, I thought Man City were also very good. Uh, you can see what, uh, what Haaland is in there for up front in that number nine role. He was dragging centre-backs left and right. When he got on the ball, he, he beat people. Uh, he, he held them off. He's, he's big and strong, isn't he, and physical. He, he, he put in a real number nine shift uh, for them, which I thought was, was really, really impressive as well. Yeah. Um, it just, it, it had a, yeah, like, I was just, I was just massively entertained by, by the whole game, start to finish. It was class. I was, from what I've seen of it. I'm going to come to Jake for this because um, this is an observation I've, been ma- I- I've made and I don't know if many people agree with this, but I don't think City, the City players used Haaland enough. There's a, there's a chance early on Foden can square it to Haaland at 2-0 and then that game feels maybe a bit out of sight. And there's other times where Haaland could be used, but these, these City players are so used to just playing without a number nine that they're not, that, that square ball, the sense of the Aguero left isn't really the one to go for. They tend to kind of cut in or you know, find De Bruyne in a late entry. I think Gun, Gun uh, coming in uh, late into the box as he does. Um, I don't. I don't think they're completely using Haaland to his ability. I mean, I, I kind of cast my mind back to uh, when Van Persie made the move to Man United and Sir Alex rolled the dice that he would be the player to win them the league. If, but and he, he made it very clear to all the players in the pitch if they didn't pass to Ron Van Persie when he was open, they they, they just wouldn't play. I think Pep maybe needs to kind of have a conversation with his players along those lines and say, like, but this is a big name sign and he, he can finish. He's seen what he can do. He scores. He's, and, and he did have a fantastic game, but I think the players around him could have got more out of him. There's only so much he can do by making those runs, holding up that ball. I think he needs to be used more. But Jake, I want to come to you and see if you see what your thoughts on that. 
because I'm not I think, 100% set on it. <laughs> no, I think it's a good point. I think I agree with what you said about the players not being used to playing with a nine. It's something they haven't done for a while. So, you know, when Aguero and Haaland are completely different players anyway, yeah. you know, vastly, vastly different. So it, it'll take a bit of time to adjust to having that player. But, I mean, if if you score, I know they drew today, but if you're scoring three goals and you're not quite getting the most out of your number nine, is it a bad day at the office? Uh, I think it's an not. okay day. I think Haaland played yeah. well. It was and the same with players. last week against Bournemouth. You know, everyone said he only had eight touches, but they won 4-0. So. Yeah. <laughs> Bothered. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just annoying for the FPL, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but a, a point I want to make is this just shows sort of what happens when you attack City as well. You know, if you actually go for City, they are quite vulnerable at times. And Newcastle showed that today. Not enough sides, especially the, I don't, know, I don't want to you know, say it, but the, the lower the lower downsides, they, Mm-hmm. They're resigned to the fact that they're beaten before they even play. When they line up, they're they not like back six. They didn't even back six, we have four in front or something. Yeah. Or. But, you know, Newcastle went for it. They gave the ball to Sam Maxman. They said, go for it. And he did. And he took on he took on the players and, you know, he got a hat-trick of assists. And Newcastle looked fantastic. It's just It just shows if you if you attack sides, then you can, you can get at them. You know, playing ten, 10 behind the ball against City, they will break you down eventually, yeah, especially Avenger, now they've added Haaland. You're consigned to your fate. I don't yeah. know why... Teams don't just go for it. Go for it. You better, you better die on your feet than than just to be, you know, like concede exactly. one or two. But you've, but you've, you've, you've had twenty four percent possession, especially you know at home. I mean? Especially at home, you know, a shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, look what look what happened where they've they've run at the city defense on on the counter attack essentially after Man City have almost scored. So Pope's tipped a shot onto the post. Yeah, countered attack up the other end. Mm. Sent Maximum's running the defense. He gets fouled. They got a free kick then within twenty yards, and Trippier smashes it into the top corner. Like mm-hmm. that's that's all that some teams sometimes need against Man City, isn't it? Just a, a bit of a spark, get them in a dangerous position. And if you have got somebody like Trippier, or let's say it's a Ward Prowse, for example, for Southampton, smacks the ball into the you top corner, and then it's uh, you know, and, uh, yeah, and then there's a chance there. Yeah, and they uh, Newcastle they fought for that point today, and mm-hmm. they deserved the point in the end. I know, like I said, I think Nick Pope did keep them in it at times. Um, and he made some really, really crucial saves, but they deserve that point. So all credit to them. It reminds me of um, I don't know if it was last season or the season before, but when Bielsa's Leeds just took the game to City, and at the time nobody was really taking <laughs> yeah. the game to City apart from Liverpool. Probably the only team, maybe Chelsea, had a, a, a good game against City as well in that season. But um, Bielsa just tipped up these Championship level players um, <laughs> and, and and took took the game. To I think it was the, the most before. expensive squad in the world, yeah. you know, um, and got a point. And got a point. I don't think he won. I think he got a point, and it was an excellent game. And I just think that's what teams need to start doing. If they want to get something for City, you know, I, I'm very much of the opinion. You know, die on your feet, go press. You know, this is this is the modern game now. That's what you got to do. This this whole sort of just maybe maybe we'll nick one in and, and we'll put ten behind the ball. It just doesn't work. They're, they're too good. They're yeah. too technical. There's too. You got to play them at their yeah. own game, really, haven't you? You got to yeah, like yeah. try and recover the ball quickly and press them, and you know, try and force yeah, them. Yeah, I think they shown today though that it works. Yeah, it does work. It yeah. does work. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't work every week, right? But it gives you a chance. Mm-hmm. I think that, that's that's the thing. It's it's the fact that teams will think if we go out and play that kind of football against Man City, they can just pip us off, and it's going to be four 0 before before half time, and then and then you're getting into the mindset of well, if we're a team that's going to be down there, goal difference is a is an extra point. So that's mm-hmm. that's why people would rather sit back and lose 
maybe 2-0 than go out and lose 6-0 to Man City. Just as much as Man City can, you can sit back against Man City and they can still beat you 5-6-0. Um, but I think for, t- for teams that are down there, that's some of the thinking behind it, I think. And I mean, like I say, Man City can batter anyone 5-6-0 on their day, probably barring Liverpool. But um, it's you just have to get them on the right day, which which Newcastle did. Also, when I looked when I looked at the Man City lineup, I thought it didn't really look like a like a Man City lineup. As mad as that sounds, I think I, I saw Stones and Ake line up for them at the back, and instant. My first thought was that's that's why that's just given Newcastle an opportunity wide open because of how far forward the fullbacks get as well. St. Maximin Wilson, he just needs one chance to score and. So I always thought as soon as I saw the lineup um that it was going to be a tough game for Man City and it turned out that it was. Well that's it you, you, they're going to be playing Ake and Stones a lot more so teams must look at this now and go you know we can get at them especially if we counter attack. Yeah. You know you'd fancy most mid-table wingers against Nathan Ake and, and John Stones you would you know it is. Yeah. I mean and I want on Leon Bailey against them. You'd fancy him every day of the week. Yeah. Up against them. So teams must be looking at that now seeing that team come out I'm thinking, well, you know, there could be a chance here. Uh, it's... Next game for for Man City, incidentally, is Palace. Uh, like, <laughs> watching that today, Palace will absolutely be thinking along them lines. Yeah, they always. Ah, yeah, they, they'll be looking well. at Newcastle and thinking, <laughs> we are it. as fit as them. We are as fit as them. Our quality, maybe not quite the level of Newcastle, but we are as fit as them. We can. I run don't as know. Much I, th- I think that Palace side, may- maybe at the back, maybe at the back. maybe at the back. I'm probably talking. Just just Nathaniel Klein or um, Joel Ward or whoever they had. He's good right on his back, day, but... Nathaniel Klein. Yeah. He's good on his day. Sorry, fucking broke his spine or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that Palace side are, are very good. And that will be a game to watch out for, the uh, Palace-Newcastle. Hmm. Um, that'll be yeah, a good fight. Oh, you're a good point there, Billy. That'll be a good fight, though. Yeah, I, th- I, I do think that Palace, as they always seem to do, I think they could get something out of this Man City side, but likewise, like I've literally just mentioned, City could also go and batter them five six. Hmm. That's always going to be on the cards when you're when you're when you're trying to take the game and say, but roll oh, dice, roll oh, dice, be brave, Uh boys. Let's uh, let's preview the Monday night football. It's a historic fixture. We've got Liverpool and Manchester United. Am I worried? Relegation six pointer, isn't it? Yeah, relegation six pointer <laughs> as it stands. Um, <laughs> After after the action this weekend, it's got nil nil written on over it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Everything in me says that Liverpool should destroy this Manchester United sign from just how disjointed they are. I mean, they're they're torn apart by you know Brentford, um, and I think the 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 tools that Liverpool have available to them should just absolutely dismantle that back line. No no questions asked. Uh, but it's a derby, and they're they're judged in isolation. And Ronaldo could start and score a hat trick. He just needs, and he could have three chances all game and score a hat trick. And that's, and that, you know, it's, there's a lot of what ifs. And I am nervous about Jake. What, where are you landing in this? I'm a little bit nervous about it. Yeah, always. It's, it's one of the biggest games of the season. But yeah, I'm nervous. You know, with the fact that the likes of Thiago and, and things like that are out as well isn't always good. Jota, he's such a key player when he's on the pitch. You know, Bobby's back, thankfully. Thank God. <laughs> you know, but if 
if Salah can find his boots and if Diaz, you know, is as good as, you know, is, is as half as good as he was against Palace, he could have a, a good day. But it just depends how we, we turn up, really. Uh, United are such a, a weird side because they could turn up and this could be their, their springboard now for the rest of the season. You know, they could quite happily turn up and, and have a good game against Liverpool. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, you'd like to think that, that we would. We are going to beat United, but it's, just, it's a derby, like you said. Form, not that either side is in form, but form goes out the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, both both teams heavily needed a, a, of a bounce. They both game. need a win. They both need yeah, a win. Both need a win, so we'll see. Uh, Jed, come to you, mate. What, give us give us a neutral, the neutral point. Uh, so, so on paper, you'd say Liverpool are the favourites, obviously. I, I think... I do think Liverpool are going to win the game. But at the same time, there's a little voice in the back of my head saying, this is just going to be one of those Man United things where they just come back. They they have a bounce. You know, it's the start of the Ten Hag revolution or whatever there, you know, and they and they, they go and snatch like a, a scrappy 2-1 win. And it's just, you know, it's, it's typical, isn't it? I can see that happening. But I do think that Liverpool will win because... Yeah, I just I think Liverpool are a better side. There's Man United have been so poor so far this season that if Liverpool don't eat them, that's a, a failure as far as as far mm. as I'm concerned. Yeah, even if it is a derby, you know, you look what they did in the derby against them last year. Mm. You know? Yeah, um, I don't. I, yeah, I think they're 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 well versed in that sort of. You know, it's a derby game now. They're ready for it. I, I, I think we I think have to use the discontent that's around City now, United it? as well to to really to, to cause more issues. You know the the fans. This is are, if the game even goes ahead. This is yeah, if the, the game goes is, ahead. You know the fans are already yeah. talking about writing outside the ground. But if it does go ahead, it's the, it's the game to to really rubber stamp that. There you go. Something wrong here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Billy, um, Eric Ten Hag. I don't think the players are behind him. Um, I think he should have had way more outgoings. I know he did have some. Yeah. I think there's a lot of players that should have, could have left the club. Um, need to leave the club. I think he's in a tough spot. But do you see this working out for him? Uh, uh, just before I come to you, Billy, actually, I talked about Conte, and that's how I think that's the manager they need. They need that fucking yeah. debt charge that just blows the dressing room apart. That's a Jose Mourinho. Did Jose Mourinho had success at Manchester United, even though and, and he, when he came out, he says said, now doesn't yeah, he? The, the biggest success he did. <laughs> was get second with that team, and yeah. then he left, and it just from went from bad to worse to terrible to it. yeah. And I don't think Ten Hag is that sort of like a Conte goes in there and he just he rips everybody apart. It's you know and mm. you don't want that guy screaming at you, especially if because there's there's times where you think you're looking at Manchester United players, you think you're just not putting an effort. There's just no effort. You're getting outrun all over the pitches. You get three 0 down Ten. against Brentford and you're just getting outrun. You know if you can't find a, a yard to add you know what, to your game. You no, know I think you know what I think about Ten Hag. I think he's not, like you say, he's not the shouter and screamer. He doesn't go in and give people the hairdryer. He's more of like a thinker. I reckon he tries to get inside players' heads and just like, they're just sitting in the dressing room and he's just staring at someone like that. Yeah. How did I get Luke Shaw to stop (laughs) eating? And they're sitting there. there. (laughs) And their players sitting there thinking, what is he thinking about me? What's he going to do? You know, what's going on? I reckon that's how he gets into our players' heads. He just just thinks them. You've just put a funny picture in my head of like Maguire sat there looking at Ten Hag thinking, what is he thinking? And it cuts to Ten Hag's brain and he's thinking, 
His head is fucking massive. <laughs> How does he even run with that head? How does he even get about the pitch? Spoiler, he doesn't. <laughs> oh man, I just don't. I don't. I don't know if I think he's. A, I think he's a great manager. I do. I think he's, he wouldn't be in the job if he wasn't. He wouldn't have had his, the, the success at Ajax that he had. I put together that 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 great team he put together. They just got absolutely picked apart by all the big clubs in Europe. Um, I don't. I don't know. I just don't think that's what they needed. I think Gary Neville. It's just he's content. They didn't get Conte, and and he all all of a sudden comes out that he doesn't want Conte. And you see exactly the turnaround. That Spurs that Spurs team was on its fucking knees, on its absolute knees. And he just wasn't having it. He was much, yeah. he, 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 he's one of the managers that, that lets you know if he's not happy right away. There's no yeah, delay. everyone else now as well. Yeah, <laughs> you could see it in the, in the post-match, and I bet and players have talked about what he's like behind the scenes and just this crazy stuff that he, that he demands of his players, you know. Um, I'm a big fan, Antonio Conte. The CV speaks for itself. That's the ultimate thing. But he's, a, he's a lunatic, right? He's, he's a bit of a lunatic, and he only lasts normally about two or three seasons. Max, if he's there, if everything goes well, he'll get that amount of time. Um, but he's well capable of, you know, coming into Chelsea, winning the league, and getting sacked. Fucking, <laughs> you know, like six <laughs> months later. Six months later. And, you know, it's, he's he's capable. He's that kind of manager. Jose Mourinho is that kind of manager. He just drops into Roma, wins a European Cup. He's fucking euros, euros of them everywhere. You know, they are very much that sort of like. I think if you need a hard reset in your club, like a real a real change in culture. That you need to drop that 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 manager that can, actually can. Just, can. Don't you go, Jed? Can I just ask a question about just unrelated to, to Conte and the management? But you mentioned earlier that the United fans are planning on like protesting outside the ground against yeah. the owners. Is that right? Like to try yes. and stop the game or something? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. But, what, but so so I get I get that that United fans are a bit like annoyed with the Glazers and all. There's all this thing that oh they don't put any money into the club, etc. But like, do they need to put money into the club? They make however many billions of, of pounds a year. Like it must be a it must be a pretty easy situation for somebody if your club's already making you billions to just reinvest that that money rather than I put your own money into it. Like, a lot of the noise I hear and then, is that like, they want they want new owners to come in to invest, right? To invest money in. But then, like, but then when they're, they're already who, who spending it like, into the right like, areas, yeah. But then, but then like, they should who, be saying boys, like, "On you go, Jed." Who, who, who buys Man United if not it's if not like a Man City type oil tycoon owner? And, yeah. and then is that is that what they want because they've been slating you know Man City for that for the last ten years? So is like is that is that what they want or who well, who do they want like what what's the alternative to to the Glazers who are who are still going to go out and spend however many millions on transfers and stuff like that? It's not the way that the you know it's. it's all I hear about it is is that they're not putting any money into the club, etc. No, they don't need one. They don't need to, and two, they're not maybe buying the right players or bringing the right people in, etc. It's, it's something else that needs to change. It's not where the money's coming from, surely, because you know, like be, Man United, the noise, like could probably have no be owner and still, make, still run itself. You know, they should be making the noise of we need someone to come in and run the club better. <laughs> <laughs> Run the club better. Yeah, the the money is spent. Businessmen making footballing decisions at the yeah. end of the day, and it's it's just yeah. destined for failure. If they bring football, yeah, they just need a football brain in, in there. Yeah, then then they're going to go somewhere. It's the same with every club in yeah. the in the in in the UK in the world. <laughs> you're but not going to go anywhere with like, a business mind running that football club. From what I understand, if you're the, if you're the, the owner, owner's of Man United, City, why do, you, why do you want to sell that club though? Like, 
why would you want to sell Man United? No, it's, 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 they don't even have to put their own money into it. So yeah. I think they want five billion. It's, it's, it's a price tag I'm seeing floating around. Well, I don't even. I don't. Today. I don't think. I'd, like, if if I was the owners of Man United, I'd be I'd be sat there, sitting there thinking, yeah, I'd never need to sell this club. It's always going to make money because it's such a big global like mm. thing, isn't it? Man United. It's they're a powerhouse. It makes back however much money they don't have to. They don't have to invest anything because they just run off the profits the club makes on everything else. Yeah, so like the Glazers, and that's just on its, on its name alone and its reputation. So like, why would they? Why would they need to sell it? Even if the fans hate them, like I don't think protesting actually gets United fans anywhere. To be honest, I think the, I the think best owners, is, the best owners, just, they just exist in the background. They just exist in the background. They just, from what I understand, Man City's owners just they just give Pep what he wants and he delivers everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apart from that one, yeah. that one trophy that keeps escaping them, <laughs> he delivers. He just delivers yeah, constantly, thing, though, consistently. Even you see Cronkies, the Cronkies right of, players in the right, yeah. a- the right minds in the right area, the right people in the right area. They're a well-run club in that in that aspect of the of the game. Yeah. They're bringing in the players that Pep Guardiola wants for what whatever reason it may be. Whereas it doesn't seem like that's that's being made at United. The, there is a thirty-year-old one at thirty. In Casemiro at what four hundred thousand pound a week for four years? They need to stop doing that. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Man. No wonder he wants yeah. to go to United. I think anyone would go for United for that kind of money. But yeah, you're not gonna you're gonna <laughs> turn the, into. This is what makes me just another. This, this is what annoys me most about about Premier League fans when they protest their owners and stuff like that. It's like, oh, we we want the club to be run better, but at the same time, we're still. We're still signing players on four hundred grand a week wages and stuff like that, and they're going to protest the game, you know, on the grounds that they've lost two games at the start of the season. Like my my club's only played two games at the start of the season because we haven't got a pitch because our land <laughs> cut the fucking pitch up. Like it, we, they've cut the pitch up with the Commonwealth Games and not replaced it. So like what like. <laughs> I'd love, I'd love to have played for lost, lost two or whatever, you know. But I, I, I can't even go to my game to protest it because there's no fucking game on there. Like, there's, there's, no, there's like no perspective at all outside the outside the Man United fans. There's, there's no perspective whatsoever. That just, as a football fan, just pisses me off because it's like I, I will say though, you, you, you need to realise like how lucky you've got it. You know, yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, you can look at Mike, Mike Ashley. Mike Ashley was that that living nightmare for Newcastle. And that was a man. That was a that was a man that was just taking money <laughs> off football club. Just oh, I want to go buy yeah. John Lewis. You know, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> some mad shit. Uh, fucking put a big Sports Direct sign on, on stadium. And I did not give a fuck. You know, I was like, I'm gonna go one game this season. You know, I'm not telling anybody when I'm going, and I'll fucking hide somewhere. But I'll I respect that. Again. I mean, like, I mean, he's. Absolute garbage of a, of a person, but you know you, he did what he did. But what I will say is that there is an element of jobs for the boys at Manchester United. There's a lot of people at Manchester United that are quite obviously not doing their fucking job as they should do it and not getting sacked. <laughs> I mean, how long? How long did it take Edward Ward to get sacked? Even <laughs> even though like he was making decisions that were maybe not great for football and percent, but he, he delivered on revenue every year, so he kept his job. <laughs> It was only after a lot, a lot of noise that, that they replaced him. But see the Saudis that own, that own Man City, you know, it's if something's not doing your job, sacked, you know. <laughs> so, if you know, like if Pep wasn't delivering consistently every every season, he'd be sacked. They'd bring in the next guy, and he would do it. They would run all the back through him would be would be perfect. They were failing in certain areas. They'd be sacked. There's no element. I don't think they have the owners of Manchester City have any sort of attachment to who works for them. 
I think they, they see them as employees, but as Manchester United, they think there's an element of just like jobs for the boys there. I think yeah, been well, there he's been here time. for 12 years already. He, he, he can't leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, where's the go? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I mean, within its limits, I mean, actual key positions, you know, technical director, director of footballs, these sort of positions is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the kit man that's been there for 30 years. <laughs> getting sacked because he fucking spelt Ronaldo wrong or something. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't agree with that, right? I'm a union man. Why don't they just, why don't they just stick Gary Neville in there and just let, like, why don't you just stick Gary Neville in there, make him sell Salford so it's not a conflict of interest or whatever, and just make, put him in there, and then just let him let him go on, let him get on, like, and do do something for a year and see how it goes. Because like, I'm I'm just sick of hearing it on Sky now as well. Every time we're Man United lose, it's like for God's sake, just change the record, man. Go and do something yeah. about it yourself. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right, boys. Anything else to add? Don't think no. so, mate. No. I think that is going to do us. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for the listeners. Uh, please download and follow um, wherever you're getting this podcast from uh, and we shall see you on the next one we're back later this week uh, with our um, FPL show and maybe an extra episode as well depending on what we can fit in but until then cheer bye Sports Social Podcast Network